welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Well, I'm feeling a little um, uh, penitent, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I wanted to uh, save this for this episode. So last week on the podcast, I uh, went off on a little uh, 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 rant, maybe, um, mm-hmm. about how I was not a fan of school when I was in school when I was a kid. Sure. I didn't like school. And um, I felt that I, I, I thought that I was being pretty clear about what I meant, but um, uh, a listener of ours who was a school teacher sort of reached out and was like, hey, this is, you know, school teachers do a lot for very little money. And this is a particularly difficult time for school teachers uh, in parts of the country where they're being sort of forced to go and spend all day with teenagers inside, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of a tone deaf time to talk shit about how much you hated school. But um, uh, so I want to apologize to school teachers and make it clear that uh, you are not the reason I didn't like school. It was about me. I didn't like school for the same reason. I didn't like being a kid. I just wanted to be an adult and not be told what to do. Um, That's, that's all it was. Um, And I'm uh, sorry if I gave the impression that I didn't respect what school teachers do, because I actually do. They do things that I would never do Tyler, you included do things that I uh, would find way too difficult um, and, and trying. um, And they do it to help, uh, uh, children who are the worst that's a joke <laughs> uh so anyway I, I just wanted to uh uh address that now yeah i uh i had a good relationship with most of my teachers even in classes that i didn't like um i remember i was in a science class um and science is just not my subject but the instructor i got along splendidly with so much so that at the end of the semester he like wrote a very encouraging note of me talking about how i was going to make it in life despite getting a cons- he didn't say this but despite my getting consistent c's and d's in his class like he still he was able to see past that honestly and and see like who i was and 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 say nice things about me which was very very cool of him um yeah my i mean obviously like There were some teachers I I didn't like, but that could also have been the subject that they were teaching. Uh, Yeah, I think for me, it was just that, like, I didn't like I don't like having to be places, Um, especially when like, granted, uh, I've had jobs that require me to be somewhere, but I can you can quit that uh, if you if you need to, if it's if it's overwhelming, but you can't quit school, at least not up, um, up until a certain age. And I think for me, like waking up early when I didn't, I really didn't want to. And then like going to a place that I probably would not have wanted to be. Although maybe if school had started at 11, maybe I would have loved it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was more just, uh, you know, uh, people telling me where to be and when, and, uh, not having a choice in the matter. So I guess it is that thing of like, no, I want to be an adult where I choose what I do and where I go. (laughs) So anyway. All right. Uh, well, before we get started, uh, Tyler, and we introduce our guest, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, I was listening, and I'll get uh, in a minute. I'll get our our guest's uh, point of view because um, 
I know I haven't talked about this with our guest in a long time, but I know he is, or at least used to be a bit of a metalhead. Um, and I'm not sure if that's, uh, still the case, but, uh, still kind of the case for me today. I was listening on my tweetdarty.com earbuds to, uh, a new EP by a band called Nader Sadak, I think is what they're called. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce that, but they're a death metal band from, uh, these United States of America. And they have a new EP out, uh, that also, I don't know how to pronounce the Serapium. This is the thing about listening to metal is that uh, you, you're guessing at a lot of these pronunciations a lot of the time. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't know how to say a uh, uh, Nathrak. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce that? Who knows? Um, but uh, uh, I could do this all day. But uh sounded great on my tweaktaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweaktaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaktaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes? Uh, our guest is a long-time, uh, long, long-time friend of, of Battleship Retention. Uh, and and this is, I believe this is the first time we've had him on since the pandemic uh, yeah. started, which has been, means it's been, it's been too long. But... Uh, uh, we're, I want you to help, welcome, help me welcome back to the show our good friend and possible metalhead, Josh Fader. Hi. <clears throat> Can you hear me all right with this technology that I'm using? <laughs> yes. I think so. I'm getting picked up all right? Yeah. So what are you listening to these days? I am only listening to film noir. <laughs> oh that's that's interesting because visually i'd say that's uh that's it, its primary strength but uh if you just want to listen to it while you're you know doing other things that, that's fine cooking whatever right uh, sometimes it's a film noir audio commentary but i've also thought well i can get more film noir in if i save the audio commentaries to 2021 I'm just trying to okay. cram in as much film noir during the pandemic as possible. I, I, like I do. It's funny. Cause I do remember it's really been a long time since I've been down a deep dive of uh, heavy metal or any kind of metal really. I, and I was, I was pretty in it for a while, but I think that was when like probably around two, somewhere from like 2006 to 2010, when yeah. you could get like, you know, they had those, um, sites where you could download RAR files. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would just go find, and I, I think I was texting about this the other day. It was like, I would listen to like so much more Coney. I would just like, there would also be sites you get old soundtracks, rare outer print soundtracks. And I would get tons of, uh, there was a, one particular site. I can't remember what it's called, but it had so much hard to find metal on it. That was just from all over the world. And it was like, wow. Uh, so, but I don't, I kind of lost, I kind of like, you know, I tried to stay on top of it, but the yeah. last, I can't remember the last time I was like really um, could well, talk to talk. Well, I think I, I, it's something I always associated with you because as we've mentioned on the show before, we met you through Zaljanon, who was That's also right. a, a metalhead. And so Zaljanon and I would talk metal a little bit. 
And so he's like a professional, he's a professional metalhead now. Is that right? Well, he moved to Finland and started a uh, metal label. Oh, oh wow. Well, yeah, then he is a professional metalhead. <laughs> yeah. In that sense. You know, it's, in, yeah, I, uh, I, occasionally I think about like what happened to like some of our early guests and I was like, whatever happened to Zaldronon? And uh, while I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that, I'm also not surprised by it. You could say almost anything about him. Right. And it'd be like, right. no, that sounds right. Uh, you know what I'll say about him, and I hope he won't get mad at me if he listens to it. Fine, if he, you know if he gets mad, I'm fine. I'll tell you. I'll say his name's really Josh. Hey, <laughs> how about that? How about that, Zaldronon? Josh, oh, if you're man. out there and you're listening, what are you gonna do? You're gonna come and get me all the way from Finland? We might have to remove this episode from the archives. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, uh, Josh Fadum, not Josh Zeljanan, uh, Josh Fadum, uh, you mentioned noir. That's, uh, what we're having you on today to talk about. Cause you and I were texting the other day and you mentioned you've been watching a lot of noir movies recently. Right. It is, it is noir Vember. And, right. uh, I myself have not been able to watch a lot of noir in November. Noir Vember just falls at a bad time of year for me where I tend to be watching a lot of end of the year type of, uh, right. Type right. Of um, but, uh, I figured out oh, this, a great, ex- a great opportunity for us to do a Noir Vember, uh, uh, episode with someone who's actually watched a lot of noir recently. Right. So I think, so I think this is just going to be sort of a, uh, a loose conversation about, uh, what noir films has Josh Fadon been watching recently? Well, I'm curious what, uh, I'm assuming, you know, like, uh, when, when at this point in the, since, uh, BP has been around so long, you guys probably have a lot of topics that you're like, well, we'll just do another episode on that topic. How many noir episodes have you guys done? You think? Not many, actually. I think we may have only done one. Um, uh-huh. And even then, I'm not 100% sure if we did. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that people think like, uh, I, I think people ask these kind of questions, but I think sometimes there are topics that are so iconic that it feels like, I don't know how to approach it. You right, know? where like, do you start? Yeah, yeah, like we've never really done it. I think we've talked about doing an episode on Westerns, but Westerns is yeah, such we, a big idea. Right. I don't know how it to... Would be a, it would be like a three-part series. It right. would be like right. we, uh, classical Westerns, revisionist Westerns, and then probably spaghetti Westerns. And like, and there are movies and topics that are just so big that for, for me, um, the way that I've... <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain as far as my way of thinking. As long as we've not done a Western episode, then we're never out of topics. Right. You know what I mean? So it's always there in our back. I mean, we've been doing this for 13 years. We still haven't run out of topics, but the day will come when we run out of topics. Thank God we've got our three part Western series. Maybe by then we'll think of something else or something will happen in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, no, and that means that when we, whenever we finally do our final episode in the year 2064 or whatever, um, it has to be about Westerns. That's, we have That's to like right. save that until uh, our final episode. Oh, but, uh, but you know what? Uh, one of us will die right after the top of the show topic. And so we, <laughs> we will never get to it. Um, uh, maybe yeah, a, a safe way to approach it might be like, okay, we'll, we're not going to do the Western. We're just going to do like Westerns. Uh, we're going to talk about essential Westerns we've seen or. Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and and it's westerns are very similar to noir in, in regards to there's just so damn many of uh, of them. You know, like you yeah. can't even really scratch the surface. I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm a fan of westerns, just like I'm a fan of noir. But when I see when someone's like, "Oh, did you ever see this?" It's like, "Oh no!" And then they like a real noir fan or like a real western like aficionado will ask, "Have I seen this or that or that?" And the answer is almost consistently no. There's just so 
much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what's exciting about it because, you know, obviously they, you can, they're not all going to be great, but there are going to be some gems in there that you don't know about. Right. I mean, that's sort of how I've found my way into it is that like, um, I don't know. It's, it's like anything. It's like, I think you guys maybe are the same way where I sometimes will go down a serious rabbit hole where it's like, now I'm really into metal, any kind of metal. Now I'm going to get into seventies metal. I'm going to get into Swedish metal. Okay. Now I'm really into Bob Dylan. I'm going to listen to all Bob Dylan, (laughs) even the Bob Dylan that people don't like. I love it. All Bob Dylan. Okay. Now I'm going to listen to or whatever, you know, and, um, uh, somehow I found myself in that you know, situation with film noir. And, uh, um, but I, you know, like, I think I also need like an, because I'll tell you, it's, it's lonely in the pandemic. Sometimes it's like for like a, maybe like a, an obsessive type person who Mm -hmm. is obsessed with some sort of media, like, you know, my girlfriend, we watch a lot of movies together, but she can only handle so much film noir, you know, (laughs) she's got to watch, we got to mix it up. So, so I'm kind of like texting any movie friends like, you got to you watch film noir. You like film noir, you know? And I'm like, I don't have anyone to talk about it with, but the, and it, or if you find someone who's like, yeah, I like film noir, I like a little film noir, you know, you, if you've already gone this far down the rabbit hole, I ha- as I have, you can't like overwhelm them with be like, well, which ones did you like? Did you like a uh, fallen angel? Did you, did you like uh, a Hollywood story or sunset Boulevard? And obviously sunset Boulevard is a classic, but Hollywood story, which was a funny effort. It's fun. Well, it's kind of a spoof. Do you see the grape for Marion? It's available on uh, it's available uh, streaming and you get a bad copy of it, you know, for free public, there's a public domain, but you know, you can't, you don't want to find like something that's too, you want to get a good copy of it. Hey, do you know that Don McGuire, the actor, he's a character actor in armor's car. He also wrote dial one, 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 nine. Speaking of dial 1119, there's also all these other movies and numbers. There's 99 River Seat. There's just Outside 1 1000. You know, and it's like, and people be like, oh, I haven't seen those. Uh, I've seen the. Uh, <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> double you indemnity. Because you've been kind of, it, you were kind of doing that on, on Twitter, like tweeting about somewhat obscure noir films as if like they were just part of the, the lexicon. Yeah, I th- but I responded, the, um, what's the word of the, in earnest to you because you were, were tweeting about uh, Nobody Lives Forever. Uh, right. with, John, with John Garfield. And right. um, I actually did see that way back in 2007. So every year, the American Cinematheque does uh, Noir City. There's a month of noir films at the Egyptian. Yeah. And then one, in 2007, they also, in addition, in an, as an addendum to uh to the Noir City at the Egyptian, they did a weekend of what they called Beach Noir at the Arrow out in Santa Monica. And so I went uh-huh. to a double feature of nobody lives forever. And mentioning, uh, as you were speaking of movies with numbers in the title, uh, I think it's called seven one one ocean drive, uh, uh-huh, with Edmund O'Brien. I haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's that one's, it's kind of a cornier one, but it, uh, uh, uh-huh. uh, uh I think it ends with a big shootout like the Hoover dam or something. So it obviously leaves, leaves, uh, the ocean, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I knew you'd been watching some, uh, um, uh, some deep you know, cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, noir films the, the way I, yeah, the way I, if I do talk to anyone about it, the way I like to approach it is like, I say, you know, who I say, Hey, you like film noir. And then they say, yeah, I like film noir. And then I say, Oh, I've been really getting into film noir. If you got any recommendations, you know, well-known essential or obscure, let me know. You know, I mean, yeah. at this point, I kind of have seen most of the essential ones, but I think in any, 
anytime I've learned as I've matured, anytime you want to talk to something, someone about something that you probably know more about than they do, like movies or whatever, it's like it, in order to not scare them off, I feel, I always feel like I have to be like, uh, uh, I don't care if you don't, I just like talking about movies, you know, yeah. do you guys ever feel that way? Oh yes. Uh, I, when I'm talking to somebody who, who knows less about movies, but they, but they, enjoy movies they just don't necessarily like it to the degree that i do or or obsess about it um i wind up just asking them a lot of questions um right. and then uh and and hearing their their insights and and sometimes it's it can be very edifying in its own way and and we can find some common ground and and that sort of thing but uh yeah it can also it, it it's all it's always so easy to to come across as like not even necessarily a snob but a know-it-all so i i actively try not to uh, yeah to do that. You know, yeah josh when you asked me for any recommendations i i think everything i rec everything that i considered like a sort of below the radar film noir you were like yeah yeah i saw that i saw that <laughs> so i know i've uh, already like gone that deep but that's yeah. what i mean that's the thing i think that's the way to approach it is if you're enthusiastic is like i would talk about that movie what did you think of it tell me more you know yeah I think well, uh, what I should have done is I, because I was, I was naming the below the radar uh, films noir that I like, I could have started naming ones that I don't think are very good. Um, that works seen, too. I don't know if you've seen slightly scarlet. Uh, it's yeah, that that's great. Fritz Lang and um, it's, uh, no, that's uh, Scarlet oh, street. Oh, Scarlet street. But there's yeah. also is Dan Duryea in both of them. Is he in slightly scarlet? It's been, a I long could be time. wrong. I slightly could be scarlet wrong. is, uh, the rare, um, color film noir mm. oh yeah 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 i'll tell you uh, my um what i've been i've been sort of to, to keep it focused i've made a kind of a un informal set of rules for myself where oh. i'm sticking to yeah that was how a good way to start me for my noir vember and noir pandemic am sticking with um is it too echoey i'm in an echoey room um i am sticking with maybe i'll press these buttons make a difference uh i'm sticking with as they call in the essays first and the the uh, historians say first cycle uh noir which is like 1939 to like 1959 um okay. and and i keep them black and white except for like a few exceptions like leave her to heaven mm -hmm. and um i also own this one blu-ray i haven't watched yet called a woman's devotion and i always show it to my girlfriend i go you need to watch this honey um <laughs> uh, but uh but we haven't watched that one yet. Um, and uh, I feel like by and large, uh, handing any film noir to your girlfriend saying, this is how you should behave towards me is not a great call. Uh, you, you're probably going to wind up dead or in prison. Oh, shoot. yeah. Right. In, in a, tr you know, in a true noir. Yeah. What if, what if your girlfriend is Gloria Graham? <laughs> well, that's pretty impressive on a number of levels. Right. Yeah. You could be Nicholas Ray's son. Have you heard that piece of scandalous information? Some uh, trivia. Gloria no. Graham, who's a, the female lead in a bunch of movies. Yeah. She married Nicholas Ray, and then she had an affair with his son, and then later married his son. Oof. Uh, and then, I, then she's, I she's the subject. I did know that story because uh, it comes up in the movie Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Which, uh -huh, I watched that. Annette Benning played uh, Gloria Graham. Not a great movie, but a great performance. Right. Yes, that's what I thought. Great performance. We watched um, Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Um, I hope the audience knows that was a uh, character that I was doing who goes, 
you need to watch this, honey. Obviously, (laughs) obviously just wasn't sure. Wasn't sure how I want to keep track of how um, audiences evolve these days, you know? Sure. Um, Sure. So you just got to keep uh, I want to get you to do a voice because, um, um, you texted about it. So you wouldn't consider, because you're only doing first cycle, you wouldn't consider something like the deep end from 2001 as part of this. I, I wouldn't bother with that right now. But, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, I want you to do your uh, impression of the trailer of The Deep End. Tilda Swinton's performance is a thing of beauty. <laughs> Says Vincent Canby of The New York Times. Oh, yeah. Vincent Canby of The yeah. New York Times says, Tilda Swinton's performance is a thing of beauty. That's the part I wanted for some that reason. Was a, we were talking about um, th- this movie, The Reckless Moment by Max Ophuls, and David said, uh, oh, have you seen the remake um, of The Deep End? And I said, I never saw the re- remake, but I remember when the trailer came out that the trailer was always like... Uh, Tilda Swinton's performance is a thing of beauty. Vincent can be raised. It's, <laughs> and I'd never actually to my own ignorance, I'd never heard the term thing of beauty. I didn't know that was like, so it just hmm. sounded dumb to me at the time. I was like a thing of beauty. Almost like he couldn't think of the term. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like a, a thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, this, it's like, Hey, when you're at the grocery store, remember to pick up a thing of hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he wrote it in as a placeholder and then forgot yeah. to say the actual it's, word. It's, um, it's um a thing of beauty. <laughs> oh boy. And then I think I would always joke about it to my friend until my friend finally said, that's something that's a thing of that's a saying, a, a thing of beauty. That's a they refer to a thing of beauty. Oh, in that sense, I better check out Tilda Swinton's performance. But does Tilda Swinton's thing of beauty performance, is it any match for Joan Bennett's thing of beauty performance in the reckless moment? Uh, I mean, they're both really great movies. Um, they're both the, things of beauty. Yeah. And the deep end uh, updates things by instead of it being because in the reckless moments about John Bennett's daughter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and in the deep end, it's Tilda Swinton's gay son is. the Oh, interesting that's, that's twist. The, that's the update to it. Yeah. Right. She's trying to cover it up for for yeah. his homosexuality. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Both both great movies. I saw um, uh, I saw the reckless moment at uh, the Gene Siskel Film Center in Chicago when we uh-huh. when we uh, first lived there. And I, um, uh, when Tyler and I lived together in, in Chicago, I should say, um, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the reckless moments availability is now in terms of DVD or Blu-ray. I'll but it tell was, you. It was like impossible to find back then. So it was a big it's, deal that the Siskel Center was showing it. Right. I, it's still, I guess, apparently hard to find, but you could get it on an indicator Blu-ray and it's a real, it's got the works on it. This boy, that, that label, they're a foreign one. If you got a region free player, they indicator, they really put on a big DVD Blu-ray production. Hmm. Um, but, oh yes, to finish the criteria, I keep it. I'm American too. Damn right. Oh, okay. Okay. I keep my was... film noir American. Um... I'm not watching Brighton rock yet. Well, have you seen this is the, this wouldn't count then. Uh, but speaking of things I saw in a theater at Film Noir a few years ago, they showed the Argentinian film El Vampiro, El Vampiro Negro, El, uh-huh. the Black Vampire, which is an Argentinian remake of M. Oh, um, and it's real good. It's uh, I've seen uh, the Joseph Losey M. 1951. Yeah, which I, I didn't. I watched it a long time ago, but I haven't seen it recently. But yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I noticed there's on the um, AFI is having like a Noir City streaming film festival, you know, right now. And I looked okay. at what's playing and um, but it was mostly foreign 
noir. And I said, I'm too busy working on the American stuff right now. <laughs> Sorry to my main man, Eddie Muller. <laughs> you guys watch TCM ever? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know who uh, Eddie Muller is. Yeah. Every, t- every week I wait for Eddie Muller to pop up in noir cosplay and you know, <laughs> high five the TV at his, uh, his, um, um, his yucks. What's the movie? Um, it's a famous movie. It's not in my tongue. Richard Woodmark is the like boxing promoter in London. Um, Night in the City. Night in the City. Does that count? It's a, it's an American, w- but he's in I'd, London. I would count Night in the City. Okay. Because it's uh it's Richard Woodmark and Jules Dassin is actually an American, um, even though uh, you could say it like Jules Dassin because he's made yeah. some like foreign ones and think that he's French. But I would count Night in the City. I mean, you know. I have been uh, every time there's like a sale, a 50 off sale or on the criterion website. Uh, I've been like buying up the, the uh, Blu-rays mm-hmm. and I'm out of noir, except for the ones I've like already seen. It's like, well, detour or the naked city, they're on the criterion channel. So I'm not going to buy those, but uh, you know, yeah. So I'm running out of noir. I've out of criterion noir, but I did, you know, it was too good of a deal to resist. I got Rafifi um, yeah. from Noble on the uh, clearance sale. Uh, so, Josh, uh, a film that I watched uh, uh, several months ago, actually, at the beginning of, of the pandemic. Um, and I, uh, our friend uh, West Anthony had given me like a lot of DVDs that he didn't want anymore. And uh, I have been trying to work my way through them. Uh, and so... I threw in what looked like a fun Richard Widmark noir called Panic in the Streets. Uh-huh. And I did not know when I threw it in that it was about uh, a, a possible pandemic. Uh, and so I was just like, oh, well, this is uh, oddly timely. And uh, and I really liked that movie. I think it was like Jack Palance's first film. Or- yeah, I watched that one, too. And then I doubled it up with, I guess it came out the same year, one called The Killer That Stalked New York. Hmm. And that's got Evelyn Keys. And she's... Panic in the Streets is pneumonic plague. Killer that stalked New York is um, uh, um, smallpox. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I thought Panic in the Streets obviously is the better one, um, directed by Elia Kazan. And uh, such Jack a- Lance is, he's a real physical force. He's scary. Yeah. And his, like, his face is like angular. Like it looks like it could, it could cut glass. Um, and the, and I think the thing that I really, one of the things I really liked about that movie that you just like, imagine trying to get something done in a film noir setting. No one's, you're not going to get anything done. Like no one's going to give you any information. Everyone (laughs) just assumes that you are, uh, that you're not going to like what they have to say. And so the idea that like trying to track like this pan, this possible, uh, you know, epidemic or whatever, right. This um, spreader. And no, and yeah. And of course no one's going to say, Oh yeah, no, he was, he was in my place earlier. They'll be like, I don't know. I, you know, yeah, I never I, heard of him. I'm not talking to the cops or whatever. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it could like, if you twist it a little bit, it's almost a comedy. Like the idea of just trying to do just your regular job that has nothing to do with film noir in the midst of this society, this uh, environment. And then being like, uh, th- no one's saying anything. And those that do are saying it in like this weird code where everything is really cool. And they're blowing smoke in my face. Right. Right. You know, it's like, it was weird watching those two pandemic noir movies. And I wonder if there's any other ones that exist, but they both came out in 1950 and 
you know, I think, well, part of the reason I think I've really become obsessed with noir is like, it almost exists in its own world. Like you, it, you could treat binge watching film noir. Like you're watching a TV show. Like you get your same actors that pop up. You start to learn like new names. Like there's, you know, Ella Raines. Oh, Ella Raines. She's in that one. There's, there's Neville Brand. He's in that one. There's Jay Adler again, you know, there's, you know, whatever. Oh, but Jack Plants was in a two, two or three of them, you know? And, uh, um, but like it was weird watching. So it's kind of like its own like escape, you know, in a way that like even though they're mostly bleak, they kind of make you feel a little good or they make me feel a little good because they just they, it almost like some of them are more gritty and like real, you know, or try to be like Naked City or Asphalt Jungle. But but ones other ones are just like purposefully stylized. But what was funny about the those pandemic noir is that they treat certain instances how they think that it would play out, you know, in the country versus maybe in 2020, how some of that stuff actually played out. Like there's a scene in I think killer that stocked New York where the mayor is talking to these three like vaccine companies. And he's like, how many vaccines could you get me right now? And, uh, and the guy's like, maybe 20,000 at the most 30,000. And then the next guy, how about you? 30,000. And then he's like, but sir, what about all the needles? And, he, and then he goes, Get me that sewing. Get me that sewing factory on the phone. <laughs> they're, a, they're a sewing factory. They got needles. We need needles. <laughs> and it's like he's like it's like, we, we better shape. And then he goes, we better shape up, or people are gonna die. You know. And it's like no one would be leverage. They're not leveraging it like that today. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I watched. This is not Nor, but um, during the TCM like at home edition or whatever um they aired um jezebel which i'd never seen before it's a great movie but i didn't realize it takes place during an actual like an actual historical yellow fever outbreak in new orleans so it's the same like uh it, it felt you know six weeks or five weeks into the pandemic as we were at the time to hear like we had to cancel all the parties and close all the theaters and people are walking around with like cloth masks over their face and the movie it was really uh really surreal to to see but back to back to noir um and i want to because josh i want to ask you what you've been watching recently but you uh you you did maybe the most recent noir i've actually uh watched it was probably pre-november but speaking of movies with numbers in the title and speaking of evelyn keys uh i watched 99 river street have you seen yeah uh, that yeah one? that's great it's yeah. It's great. And she is so great in, in the movie, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I really, I really like that one. It's uh, uh it's fun, but it's also like particularly like brutal, like in terms of like the actual physical violence. Cause the guy, the main guy's uh, I forget the actor, but he's a boxer and you John, like, Payne. John, John Payne. Payne. Yeah. And he uh, lives up to his name. He, he doles out uh, some pain, but also the whole premise is right. like that his, his wife gets killed by the guy she's cheating on him with. And her death is so like, almost like yeah casual. it's dark it's like yeah it's super upsetting uh um how she yeah like, and, and the bad guy the bad guy brad dexter he's he's like he's like one of the bad guys or whatever um it's funny i listened to actually did listen to the audio commentary on that and eddie Mueller did the audio commentary and it's funny because i thought his boxing and his kind of bad boxing was effective you know i thought that he was like I was like, it's kind of stupid the way he boxes. And, but Eddie Muller's like, my dad was a sports writer. This is way off. This is, this is terrible boxing. <laughs> Everything in this movie is great, but this is terrible. And then he also makes fun of Brad Dexter for looking. I like Eddie Muller. I think he's like kind of like a wise ass, you know? Um, but, uh, uh, 
and I guess he was friends with Evelyn's keys. He keeps name dropping out oh, my friend, yeah. Evelyn keys. But, um, uh, but yeah, 99 river street is directed by Phil Carlson. And he, he made like a few noir that are particularly tough. Um, one that I was like, that I was like super on board with was, um, uh, it's pretty easy to find cause it's public domain, but I guess you gotta, if you watch it, make sure you watch like a good qualities. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, transfer. Yes, scan? when they fix yeah, it, trans- scan, remaster, yeah. fix it, yeah. the cleanup. You know, when the UCLA does a good job cleaning it up, <laughs> they should just call it fix its Like the fix its <laughs> Criterion should say in the back of it. They did a did, great fix. We it. did a 4K fix it yeah. <laughs> using the original camera negative. Anyway, Kansas City Confidential. It's great. Directed yeah. by Phil Carlston, John Payne. You seen that one? Uh, yeah, um, uh, because um, someone I want to say Kino maybe put it out uh, five or six years ago. Um, uh, I can't remember. There's a Blu-ray that I that I have seen of Kansas City Confidential, and it actually came up somewhat recently on the podcast. Uh, time we were talking about movies with states and the names of them, right. um, right. but and it uh, doesn't feature much Kansas City or if it's yeah, like it takes place place. almost entirely not even not in Kansas City, but not even in the U.S. in like Mexico or something like yeah, that. It's in, yeah, it's a, like a resort in Mexico. But the, and thing the characters I, are speaking very freely. Like uh, there's no secrets in it. Like it's <laughs> the total misnomer yeah, that no, title. Nothing is confidential here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the um uh the thing that like. I've been kind of doing is, is observing like different, um, you know, all the, di- and I'm, I'm coming at this as a person who like had a very like basic knowledge of film noir. Like I thought I knew more and I'm like, I guess I really didn't, hadn't seen, I'd seen like the obvious ones, Dublin, Demony, Sunset Boulevard, you know, uh, the Billy Wilder ones, you know, the, 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 the main Bogart ones to have and have not big sleep, all that. But, um, and then some other like, you know, maybe lesser known ones like bodyguard which robert altman wrote you know um but uh there's like all these different subsects of them i feel like you know and um i like i like ones that are like totally shocky and crappy and then there's also like more polished studio ones you know and some of them have like really it's also interesting to see when they get into the mid 50s and or late early 50s and you start getting more like method actors showing up you know Mm. And they start kind of doing more beboppy movie fidgety fidgety acting, um, which like goes strangely against um, you know this kind of thing, where whatever yeah. however you call pre pre actor studio acting. Um, but there's one that I watched early on, and I don't even know if anyone would categorize this film noir. I don't know why I stumbled upon it, but it's kind of it's called Gangster Story, and it's the only movie written and directed by or directed by not written by, but directed by our good friend, Walter Matthau. Um, <laughs> and uh, he stars in it. And I read on IMDb, who knows if it's true that he just did it for like nothing to pay off gambling fees. And like, he always said, like, oh, I was a piece of crap, but it's like, if you know, there was an Ed Wood movie and Walter Matthau just happened to be the star and happened to be great in it as always. It's like, it's like imagine Walter Matthau stuck in a total piece of crap you know, like being, where everyone is like, um, Hey you. And he's like, Hey, I got to go in there and not rob a bank or whatever. I don't know if you follow me. Uh, that last part I was a little iffy about. <laughs> well, there's like a scene in there where he's like robbing a bank. Okay. And, and he, and he gets these cops to show up and then he says, 
hey, I'm shooting a movie here and uh, I, there's going to be a manager coming in. He's in the movie. But listen, you got to convince him it's a movie because he likes to stay in character. And uh, and the cops are like, OK, sounds good. And then the guy shows up and he's like, I got a phone call. I'm supposed to be here at the bank. Yes, go right in there. And then Walter Matthau robs him. And it's just so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Know? But uh, but Matthau is hilarious in it. And he's probably not even trying to be funny. He's just, yeah. Feel free well, to chime in anytime. Well, I do. I, I did actually have a, a question, um, but there's more of a more of a, a broad question in regards to just like, anytime you're watching like a genre film of any kind, you know. I mean, like I know people who are huge horror fans, and they and they specifically like really love slasher movies, and so really any it would appear that I, I don't mean to be insulting, but like they're not super discerning really just like any slasher movie of the eighties. They just kind of liked uh, right. because it did all the things that they needed, that they wanted it to do. And even if the acting wasn't that great or the story wasn't that great, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's doing the basics of what I needed to do. And, you know, uh, David, you mentioned uh, a noir that you don't particularly like. And then, you know, Josh, you're talking about this, this film that you think is pretty bad. And so I'm curious to know, like in a, in a larger sense, like what would we consider a bad film noir? Like, is it a film that would, would it be a film that does the, you know, does the tenets of noir poorly or is it, it's doing all that right, but the, it just is not hooking you on, on a large, in a larger sense. Right. Or a film that like that, you know, half has like half and half, like, it doesn't have the tenets of noir, but it just kind of feels noir or yeah. I, I, in all my reading about it, you know, and like the big thing that always comes with film noir, if you're reading about noir is, Oh, the, the definition of noir is hotly debated. What is yeah. a film noir? Is it a genre, a style of movement? And um, I don't know, I guess. And then it seems to be that, that the consensus is, well, it can be whatever you want. But like I said, for me, I'm sticking with America and yeah. I'm sticking with black and white, except for leave her to heaven uh, and a woman's devotion, which I haven't watched yet. Um, and um, and I'm and I'm keeping them between 39, 1939 or 1940 to like 1959. But there's some that are in like 1962 that like some define it. Or if you look on the IMDb, the, the keyword says film noir or criterion says check out these you know film noir um this film noir slate we've got out for this month and there's one for there's like underworld usa from sam fuller you know and that's like 1960 or so you know i guess there's a little they they always say the the last true film noir is touch of evil by orson right. wells and then but then some other people say the last true film noir is odds against tomorrow by robert wise also like i think touch of evil's 58 odds against tomorrow's 59 and they both kind of um like hit all the marks, but they just, well, what's interesting to me is that like, um, I think when you get to the fifties that you, there starts to be, uh, I observe there's like an awareness of like, Hey, sure. this is a, this is a genre now and we're doing it this way. We're hitting the tropes and I'm sure you've all seen like Stanley Kubrick's the killing. Yeah. And like, that's one that I thought I, I always saw it when I was younger and I rewatched it recently. And something I realized when watching all these other ones is that all the actors in that movie, pretty much every cast member is meaningful to film noir, you know, like right. they all, 
I, that's something I never realized that this, if you could almost look at the killing as like a film noir, like whatever heat was trying to be or, sure. or, or Copland was trying to be, it's like, we're going to get every one of the crime film genre and every, we're going to pad this cast out with, you know, and they've got like, Sterling Hayden, Marie Windsor, Colleen Gray, uh, uh, you know, Jay Adler, Vince Edwards, Elisha Cook, Elisha Cook. And Elisha Cook is like so meaningful to film noir. He's in like, he's in like every, everyone he's in is like important and, uh, and crap, you know? Um, And so it's interesting, like having that kind of context, really, I'm most into the actors. Like I'm just seeing all the actors and I'm just like, wow, I thought I knew actors and I thought I knew movies and I claim to know it, or at least, you know, bullshitted my way pretty well. But, but there's a lot of actors that I'm like huge fans of now that I didn't know about, you know, and it's, and you watch them over and over and over. And it's like, you're going down this rabbit hole of all these actors that like, there's so many movies to watch and they're always great. And there'll be a movie like that for me is part of it. It's like, there's a movie that'll be a total piece of shit. But Neville Brand showed up, so it can't be all that bad. It's like that Roger Ebert thing about um, M. Emmett Walsh, you know, where he's like, <laughs> the M. Emmett Walsh rule. It's like, well, can a movie with Jay Adler, I mean, Jay Adler showed up and had a scene. It can't be all that bad, you know, or Jay Adler shows up in this movie. Like, there's this movie called, here's an example. There's a movie called Vice Squad, not the uh, Wingshauser 80s movie. It stars Edward G. Robinson. I watched it. I mostly enjoyed it, but I don't remember anything about it, but there's this guy named Jay Adler who always kind of plays kind of, um, you know, he's kind of a Jewishy, not really nebbish, just kind of like a sneaky guy, or sometimes he's a boss or sometimes he's like, um, you know, a bookie or something like that, or, you know, and, and he's, he's so weird and wacky in it. And he just kind of, and, Edward G. Robinson is just right on screen with him. Like, uh huh. Mm -hmm." It's like a comedy scene with a straight man, (laughs) but Jay Adler steals the show. And I looked him up. Turns out he's like Stella Adler's brother. Mm. Oh, you know, and he's like a guy in his fifties, but like in 1940 and he's doing all this very nationalistic stylish acting. And it's like, Oh, that's interesting to think about, you know, this uh, important acting teacher had this brother and they probably, and they have another brother named Luther Adler. Um, but, uh, I put uh, a lot of real, stuff out there. Go on. You, you uh, stop me speaking. Well, two things. Uh, first, I want to say, uh, because we talked about this before we hit record, I forgot. We didn't actually mention that November was started by our friend in front of the show, Mariah E. Gates. Um, oh yeah. It's in its like 10th year now. Um, the, the hashtag. So I, um, wanted to make sure to give Mariah, uh, I was going to say at the beginning, the show like because- you should give her credit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I meant to do that. I forgot because we talked about it off mic. I forgot that we hadn't actually said it on mic. So thank you, Mariah, for inventing Norvember. Uh, second, yeah. It's very generous of her to do so much Norvember retweeting on Twitter as well, because it's like, I'm, I'm finding all these, uh, noir clips of things I've never seen. And I, it's like, and I also get a, a thrill when that someone is indulging my, uh-huh. you know, Twitter joke that I'm kind of doing out to the empty Canyon of uh, <laughs> my followers being like, can you believe Don DeFore and Don McGuire look kind of <laughs> similar? And they're both similar style character actors. Can you believe it guys? Well, um, I like this episode. Anyway, is turning, uh, well, but that, no, I just wanted to get, I uh, wanted to thank you. Yeah, yeah. get that, uh, uh, make sure we, we got that uh, down on, on give her a big, give well. her a big plug. Um, yeah. Uh, at old film slicker, uh, everyone, if you listen to this, you know who Mariah is. I'm sure she's been on the show three, four times. Um, 
but I wanted to, um, you, you maybe, I, I like that this episode is turning into less what a Josh watch and, uh, stump Josh. Can we name a, uh, an under the radar noir film that Josh right. hasn't seen? And you're just seen in I, your, uh, I'm just, aware. Like what did Josh watch? That's what I think our opening part of the conversation yeah. was. It's like, what did you watch? No one cares. Yeah. You know, like I can, I, I know how cathartic it would feel to be like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I watched. <laughs> Moonrise, Man with uh, the Gun, Station West, Guilty by Cinder, Danger Signal, Vice Squad, Where the Sidewalk Ends, Naked, Naked City, Johnny Stoolpitch. You know, I could yeah. go and go, and that would feel so great, but I know that it would um, just, I yeah, can only the, make a joke out of it. Where the Sidewalk Ends, that's uh, Dana um, Andrews. Dana Andrews. Uh, Dana Andrews, yeah. I love Otto Preminger. Movie. He's great. Otto Preminger. That movie's yeah, great. No, I love that uh, movie. The one I was going to uh, run past you, because I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned Edward G. Robinson being the straight man to someone who's going crazy. Have you ever seen Nightmare? Uh, uh, night, him, night, Kevin what? McCarthy, night, nightmare. Uh, 1956. No, it's uh, so Kevin McCarthy, you know, from Invasion of the Body Snatchers and all the Joe Dante, sure, movies. and also uh, in uh, Drive, Drive a Cook, Drive a Cook, Crooked Road with uh, Mickey Rooney. Okay, uh, he's in it's, it's another noir I watched with uh, Kevin McCarthy. He's a, he plays the bad guy. Go on, but, anyway. Uh, so Kevin McCarthy plays a guy who has a dream, a very like weird, disturbing dream in which he murders someone. He wakes up in the morning. He's like, Oh, it was fucking weird. And he, right. like, he tells I had a weird it. dream. I murdered someone. Yeah. I had a dream. Um, and he wakes yeah, up. And I had a goddamn dream. And then, uh, it turns out that that night there actually was a murder that happened like exactly the way he, he dreamed it. So, uh, uh-huh. uh, Edward G. Robinson is like his friend that he confides in who like, is like, I think you're crazy. Or he's like, Oh, maybe he did con- commit this murder. But basically, uh, uh, it's a cool idea for a movie. Kevin, Kevin McCarthy playing the whole movie, trying to figure out he's like the, you know, one of the, the tropes of noir is the sort of like every man turned detective or whatever, uh, you know, uh-huh. he plums it up. He's trying to solve whether or not he's a murderer. Uh, it's yeah. a cool idea for a movie. And they also shot a bunch of stuff like on location in new Orleans, which now is obviously, uh, much more common because of tax breaks and stuff. But this is 1956, uh, canal street and stuff. You get some cool, uh, location stuff. Uh, not a great movie, but, uh, at least I did stump you on that one. One, one I've seen that you have. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And of course it, uh, free associates me into, um, by the way, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure how comfortable I am. It's kind of fun, but I'm not sure how comfortable I am being like the stump King. Cause of course <laughs> I'm going to miss a few. I, yeah. I would love to find like, you know, although I will say with Mariah, sometimes she'll tweet, this one's new to me. And I'll be like, I seen it, you know, yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then there'll be sometimes ones where it's obviously where I'm like, I haven't seen that one, but I have watched a few that are like, did I do the murder recently? I watched one. Um, in fact, I woke up and watched uh, one this morning that was only an hour long called sudden danger. And um, in fact, I watched two that were kind of similar called that were like blind person gets their eyes back noir. And uh, one was called dead man's eyes with Lon Chaney jr. And one was this one, Sudden Danger. Neither of them were particularly great, but I, you know, enjoyed watching them, even though they're crappy. And then I also tracked down in the worst quality ever, this one that I really wanted to see called Blind Spot. Um, And it's not about blind people, but it's called Blind Spot. And uh, that one is about um, a blind guy. No, not he's not blind. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's about a writer, a mystery writer, you know, like who is a drunk. And he goes drunk into this uh, publisher's office and he says, here's a great way to do a a book or a movie or whatever. This is a plot. And he 
ex- describes how a murder would happen in this book idea. And then they buy it from him. And then the publisher winds up dead. And then he's the number one suspect. And then he's so, he was so drunk. He starts to wonder, did I do it? But he's pretty sure he didn't. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> but I found that that's what I, that's where I'm at now. I'm, I'm going through IMDb and I'm being like, is this one on DVD or Blu-ray or streaming? Is this one available somewhere? And, uh, uh, there's a few of them that I really want to see that I don't know where to find. If anyone knows where to find these movies, let me know. One is this one called uh, Shakedown, uh, starring Howard Duff, who was married to Ida Lupino. And that one is directed, the first film directed by actor turned director joseph pevney and it's got a cool premise i watched the first five minutes in terrible quality on youtube and then the rest is nowhere i nor to be seen i googled it it's very rare it's about a ambitious um photographer who wants to you know he basically wants to be like a ouija or he wants it's like nightcrawler or something like that you know um nightcrawler so th- the, this is not the him. 80s shakedown with uh no. with peter weller and sam elliott which is no uh, not that one which is a, a fine a, fine film a very it's fine a film. very fun movie <laughs> yeah no this is a different shakedown maybe that shakedown bought the rights to this shakedown and says we're shaking you down you can't be a shakedown no more um <laughs> but uh yeah this sh- so i'm looking for shakedown if anyone knows where to find shakedown i would love to see shakedown or if someone listens and wants to release Shakedown, get the rights. Indicator Blu-ray, you guys are great. Criterion, come on. Uh, then another one, which I hear is not good, but I want to see because it's got such a great cast called Slaughter on 10th Avenue. And that's got, oh, it's got Mathau. It's got Durier. And then there's another one called Man Crazy with Neville Brand. And it's from the director of Murder by Contract, guys. Murder by Contract, the same director. That's one that I watched on the Criterion channel and Martin Scorsese has been a long time champion of it. And it's like this uh, Hitman. It's very funny, actually. It's a late, it's a later one from the late mid fifties. And it stars this guy, Vince Edwards. And he's like alone in his room and he's like real, he's got real, he's real cocky, but he's doing lots of pushups and like um, trying to keep fit. And you can see Martin Scorsese lifts these, like a lot of this stuff for taxi driver, you know? Oh, Okay. Any, anyway, you think anyone's following me? <laughs> Wait, that one's called Murder by Contract? Murder by Contract. You followed okay. me. So did whoever's yeah. listening at home. They followed me. Yeah. What's yeah. next? All right. <laughs> I, I wish that I had... I feel like with a couple of exceptions here and there, I feel like my... my uh, knowledge of noir is pretty conventional um, with a couple of... You Hit know, me with stuff. them conventional ones. Uh, well, I, mean, I, re-watched, I rewatched Sunset Boulevard recently, too. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with um, that. Great film. But I mean, obviously, like uh, Out of the Past, I think is is amazing. Um, Watch really... that on my birthday. Happy birthday. That was in July. Oh, okay. Well, I know, but I, I forgot to wish you a happy birthday, so it's oh, belated. Thanks. I apologize. Thanks, thanks, Tyler. I'm 40. Oh wow. Yeah. How's that? Anyway, feel? Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, you know what? It feels like the rest of the years were something out of the past. Oh, um, and then, uh, there is one that I, it's, uh, like Pete, like noir people know it, uh, but, uh, called the prowler. Oh yeah. Which I've I loved. seen that, but I, I love that one. I haven't rewatched that one. Is that Joseph Losey? Uh, I don't remember now actually, but, uh, I saw it a few years ago and I remember being like, 
it's 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 kind of what you're talking about like there's there's like prestige noir and then there's like the trashy noir yeah. and the prowler is a little bit more trashy at least in in its execution and uh yeah. like there's the noir that makes you uncomfortable you know and uh as much as i adore uh touch of evil um and this, i guess this does not refute that but like touch of evil makes you uncomfortable or at least yeah. it, it does me because you know wells likes to clutter the frame yeah. and uh deals with characters who you know like uh what is it dennis weaver's character like the nightman at the motel is is wonderful yeah but, um yeah that's and when, then, see, that's when like the method actors start kind of taking over yeah you know and it's it's interesting to see where it is by the end of the end of the cycle, as they call it. I don't want to sound pretentious by using the terminology that the, all the critics and historians have dubbed, but that's what they call it. So let's just do it and not feel bad about it. Okay, guys. <laughs> then, uh, the, let's... the end of that first cycle. Anyway, you were saying cluttered frame. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Cluttered frame. You got it. Um, yeah. But uh, And then there's stuff like, I remember many years ago, there was like a DVD set. Uh, there have been multiple, and I don't remember who put it out, but it was like film noir collection number one. There have been like, six of them now uh -huh. and in it there was like you know murder my sweets and uh, i think asphalt jungle was in there but also uh the setup um yeah. with uh yeah. robert ryan which i i really love and i remember reading about it and there are people who said like well this you know we have a hard time considering this noir from a story standpoint uh but obviously from a tonal standpoint from a stylistic standpoint and even a little bit i think from a from a narrative uh standpoint i think it definitely fits um which is one of the things that i find interesting is is people when people debate like what is and is not noir um i'm part of a i'm part of a film noir group on facebook and uh there will be people who bring up you know, uh, this movie or that movie that I'm not sure I agree. Like I genuinely, I put this actually out on our Patreon recently, which by the way, everybody go and follow us on Patreon. Um, we haven't said it in a while. Yeah. Subscribe but, um, to our Patreon. If you subscribe can. to the guy's Patreon for crying out loud. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let uh, uh, yeah, for God's we're working, sake. We're working hard for you here. Can you subscribe? <laughs> I like that guy. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, uh, so I, I actually put it out on Patreon. Like I, people say that Night of the Hunter is noir, and I don't think it is. Like, like I don't even consider it being very. I don't even think of it as being particularly like expressionistic. Um, I think it's more just surreal. Um, I don't know, but but there are people that absolutely consider it noir. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, but then also, you know, it's like does noir a noir noir can be surreal, you know? But sure. Um, I guess it's like, does can noir be redemptive? I think that's where like the setup comes in, you mm -hmm. know, can, and cause I mean, I've watched plenty of them where it's like, or does the good guy, I mean, I've, it's weird. Cause I will say I've read the rules, quote rules, you know, like, but also, um, I, part of me is like, I don't really care that much. You know, I just sort of like the aesthetic and the feel and the and living in the world. There's, there's, I have, three books that I've got that I've been like focusing on um, about film noir. Uh, one of them is like film, a film noir encyclopedia by Ursini and Allen. They're like the two, two of the big writers. And another one's called film noir reader. And it's like a collection of a bunch of the big, big essays. One's by Paul Schrader. One's the original French one by board and Chomaton or however you say the name that like dubbed the term film noir. And then there's this other one, which is a hilarious read uh, I highly recommend by Barry Gifford who wrote wild at heart and lost highway yeah. and, and a, a bunch of books, I guess as well. 
Uh, and it's just called out of the past, but formerly called the devil thumbs arrive, but it's updated to being called out of the past. Hmm. And, and he just kind of speaks and he, he writes a lot of it like very thoughtfully, but um, in these very pulpy terms, you know, like he kind of just says like, you know, Marie Windsor plays another big breasted blonde who gets herself and, you know, gets hooked up with the wrong guy here. Or, you know, he, he talks about the wild one. He's like, Brando's never been fatter, <laughs> you know, or he's like, <laughs> Brando, baby, baby Brando's filling out his tubby jeans, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, he just, he speaks like a, like, you know, an wow. asshole that you're talking with. And to but think it's very, there was a time that Brando had never been fatter than he was. Right. In the yeah. <laughs> right. Or he's like, he's like, he's never fatter, but look at this fat boy filling out his jeans. But you know, like he says stuff like that and like, you know, it's mean and funny and um, like James and, uh, Elroy. Yeah. It's very much like James Elroy, you know? And like, uh, um, but you know, like what's also funny about reading that if you read the very proper and like collegiate film encyclopedia by, you know, uh, James Orsini, the, the whole intro, like a big chunk of it is devoted to kind of like trying to, um, intelligently refute Barry Gifford's book. I'm like, wow, he really got under the um, people's skin. He's like, you know, uh, Gif Gifford will say, um, that, uh, that, that it should be just reduced to Lawrence Tierney's sneer, but others might say that there's more to it than that. You know, um, it's just funny to see like book wars. Uh, yeah, I just I like imagine Barry Gifford not giving a shit, you know, <laughs> that's like, I like, um, sometimes you, I like reading the, uh, the, the trivia page, uh, on IMDb just for some movies trivia. Cause those are like open source or whatever. And so you'll see someone like two people clearly disagreeing. Like yeah. right. the, movie, the movie was shot in 21 days. Uh, the movie was shot in 17 days. This is what the, right. the next one down. Um, uh, What's also something's also weird. If you look up those, those videos, like it doesn't matter to me then. Cause whatever this means doesn't mean anything versus what it would mean now. But a lot of them, they'll say like, you look up an actor and someone will put was a staunch Republican their entire life or was, was a democratic liberal their entire life, you know? And it's just funny that like someone, someone chose to put that on there or whatever the way, you yeah. know, it's, or even like Marie, Marie Windsor, if you know who that is, she's in the killing and she's also a famous like femme fatale, you know, she plays like, you know, a, just a mean dame and she, you know, she's one of the best, but then it will say was a staunch Republican her whole life, you know? Um, who is your favorite femme fatale? And I will tell you my answer. Cause you and I texted about her the other day, but uh, Elizabeth Scott is my favorite. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was fatale. saying, Pitfall I was like, and too late for tears. Yes, Too Late for Tears, I think, is her best. And, oh, I like Dead Reckoning also, but I will say... Seen, I, have you seen Pitfall, though? I own it, and I saw it a long time ago, and I've been waiting to rewatch it because I already watched it, but I have seen it, yeah. and I remember I that LAX top, is in it, or LACMA's um, in it. I don't think it's top-tier noir, but uh, it, I think she is, like, one of the great uh, femmes, femmes fatale in, in yeah. the movie. Oh, wait, I wanted to rewind real quick before we get to them fems. What, what Tyler was saying about like what constitutes noir and I don't know, it's, it is an interesting debated thing. I mean, like, because there's some movies that are very, seem like this seems so noir, but it has a happy ending or, you know, they're, they're, um, they get some sort of like redemption at the end, you know? is redemption part of it or are, you know, I don't know. I forget. Are they, are you, are they allowed to get redemption? I don't is know. Is the good guy I, allowed I, to, to win? Yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think win, allowed. 
I think win is kind of a relative term. I mean, it could be argued that like at the at the end of the Maltese Falcon, like Sam Spade is not dead and didn't go to jail. Uh, and right. he he came out ahead of everybody else. But he right. also like this this woman that he did. He does seem to care for. He's sending to jail, if not uh, to her death. So it's just like, OK, well, that's and his partner's dead. And right. so like he didn't come out unscathed, uh, but it could be argued that he won. Um, right. Yeah, I think Same with, me, like, Mildred uh, Pierce. with Mildred Pierce, you know, like the ending. Sorry to spoil. Should have seen Mildred Pierce by now. Uh, you know, it seems like. Uh, you know, Mildred Pierce, it's like for, for Joan Crawford, for Mildred, it's like basically the best case scenario that was going to come out of this situation happens. You know, the, the, we don't have to deal with this person anymore. They're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs. And she gets to walk off, you know, basically into the sunset, but she still had to go through all that and then look where she is now. And yeah. So, so I guess it's like bittersweetness, bittersweetness is okay. Yeah. I feel like if, if there's, I, I don't think it's necessarily has to be about how it, it ends. I think the, the thing that really uh, ties film noir together is uh, you could be charitable and call it pessimism, or you could just call it a cynicism. Like, I, I, I think right. that like what Tyler was saying about trying to get to the bottom of a, a pandemic in the middle of a nord it's, it's a world where nobody trusts anybody else. Yeah. And within the, right. the movie for good reason, people aren't, trustworthy and you should expect that someone's going to stab you in in, in the back or, or lie to you. I think to me, that's what, uh, uh, that, that cynicism is what ties it all together, be it a happy ending or a sad ending or color or black and white or, or whatever, all these, whether it's, you know, some, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of films noir, there's, you know, detective noir, but then a lot of it is about, every man uh, uh, yeah. every man who's sort of dragged who's tempted into by the femme fatale into the uh into the underbelly or or right. whatever which is like your double right. identity or pitfall uh for example right you have a human moment of weakness and then now yeah. your whole life is screwed because of it or at least you're going to have a bad few days yeah i think it's safe to say that like in in film noir uh in the broadest possible sense like innocence and certainly naivete but just like Innocence, optimism, or naivete is not going to serve you well as a character in this. In fact, other people will see that and immediately see you as a mark, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the more cynical you are, the less trusting you are, the more you the more you keep to yourself, the better you're probably going to do Um, with, you know, the exception of somebody of a character like Mike Hammer in, you know, Kiss Me Deadly, who doesn't really keep a lot of secrets. Uh, he's just so violent and brutal as a character right. that, uh, that he's actually pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. But in that instance, like it's because he, he can afford to be because he's a monster. Right. Um, he's, kind of, he's a big blowhard, you know? Yeah. And that's an interesting one. Like I would say probably kiss me deadly is one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like we, we have not even talking film noir, you know, but, um, I, it's another one kind of like the killing where it's like I had seen kiss me deadly and I always liked it. And then I rewatched it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I think this was one of my favorite movies. And, um, but by 1955, it almost seemed like there, that movie is reinventing the tropes. It's kind of turning them on its head. It's calling out that like this lead, this like blowhard, this like asshole, you know, who's like full of himself and 
he is um he's not great you know he's not someone to like celebrate for being tough you know he's entertaining to watch but he's like not you know he's like a schmuck. yeah i think and i think that's because I, I haven't seen kiss me deadly since i was maybe like 18 or 19 and i didn't really like it at the time i think because i was maybe not sophisticated enough a viewer to understand that it's okay for the movie to be about a guy who's a fascist asshole it doesn't mean the movie's like endorsing that right <laughs> you know and I, I i had trouble watching it as a uh, as a younger person i yeah, probably you, like it a lot now you, you think that the movie's telling you to root for the guy or whatever right you yeah. know okay. I have the same view of like kiss me deadly that I do about the wild bunch where it's these type of characters you've seen before, but they're extremely unpleasant and kind of dumb. And you're just like, Oh, this is probably a lot closer to who these types of characters would be. Uh, this Mike hammer type who it's like, yeah, when you, it's easy to romanticize like the tough guy that'll do whatever he has to do to get to the truth. But when you realize what he's willing to do, you realize like, Oh Yeah. I guess uh, it does de-romanticize it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was watching a documentary about, or the, maybe it's just on the DVD of Kiss Me Deadly and talking about how Mickey Spillane was like, he didn't like Robert Aldrich's spin on, you know, the material, you know, and he was like, well, it's not, he threw my book away, you know. And But then at the end of his life, I think he admitted, he was like, you know, Ralph Meeker was the best Mike Hammer. He was really good as my kid. Yeah, he was. Um, Ralph Meeker. You go on. Uh, I was just going to, I was, I was going to talk about Mickey Spillane in general. So you go ahead. Oh, just, uh, just, I was going to talk about Ralph Meeker. I was like, he's so good. He's kind of one of those guys. I don't know what his like acting training is, but he's another one who's like, he's such a good actor. There's another one that he's in called Jeopardy where he plays a bad guy with, um, uh, uh, Barbara Stanwyck where Barbara Stanwyck and her husband are on a vacation, you know, in the middle of nowhere, basically driving into Mexico and her husband played by Barry Sullivan gets stuck um, with his leg under a rock at the, you know, at the tide line. And so like in a few hours, he's going to drown. And, you know, so she's got to go find help and drive the car off. And then she finds help, but she finds this, you know, escaped convict um, played by Ralph Meeker Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stanwyck's always great, but it's interesting again to see like in this movie from like probably the early fifties, John Sturgis directed it to see this movie where Ralph Meeker is like, wow, you know, his first few lines, I think he says something like, if you do that, I'll kill you, you know? And just the way he delivers it, he's not, he's not putting anything on it, but you just believe him. He's very, he's a very straightforward actor. And I feel like some of the, some of the actors from that time, uh, were refreshing in that regard. I think of Gary Cooper that way um, in that, like he doesn't really need to put, he doesn't need to layer on different things. He just plays, plays everything pretty straight. And within that, he can do a lot of different things, like whether it be like high noon or, or uh, you know, Mr. Deeds goes to town or whatever it is. Yeah. And so he can play different levels of like naivete or, or world weariness or whatever it is, but he plays it straight and just sort of just, takes the character at face value and delivers a performance that some people might think is actually kind of flat. And I don't think so. I think there's a lot going on there. He just yeah. doesn't feel the need to just, you know, artificially add all these things so that you can see how much he's acting. Um, and with my limited uh, exposure to Ralph Meeker, that's kind of how I feel about him. Yeah. It's harder to find a lot of good Ralph Meeker. You know, he doesn't, he didn't play that many leads, you know, um, strangely, not mm-hmm. at least in that during that period, I would have thought after Kiss Me Deadly, like 
there would be at least five or six movies where he's a lead. And I bought one called Code Two, and it's like just kind of a really crappy pro police movie or something. Oh, you just made me think of another uh, uh, because you've, it's since you know the, since the summer and 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 the Black Lives Matter protests and, and defund the police uh, movement and stuff. You've heard, maybe heard the term propaganda to talk about movies that glorify uh, uh-huh. police. But I, you remind me of a movie that is literal propaganda called City That Never Sleeps that is actually like made with the endorsement and cooperation of the Chicago Police Department. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, is that a Fritz Lang one? Uh, I don't think so. Is it a, is it like a big ensemble or city that never sleeps? Or am I thinking of, there's another one that's like a fifties one. And I started watching, it's got a title like that or like why maybe like called like while the city sleeps or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. The, these titles are like, uh, uh, I know there's, 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 there's also cry danger, cry vengeance, cry, you know, cry terror. I've seen them all. Right. Cry, cry, in, cry of the city. There's um, um, uh, he walked by night and they live by night, which I and used they to dr- get confused. He walked by night. They live by night. They drive by night. Um, um, but uh, so, yeah, City That Never Sleeps is uh, 1953 and it is directed by John Auer, John H. Auer. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of a corny movie, but it has a cool uh, sort of central like hook, which is that um, a murder happens and the witness is one of those like city street like painted as a robot guys you know who's like yeah to be a robot and the killer doesn't realize it's a real person and doesn't realize he's left a witness behind to his uh-huh. to his murder that's kind of a fun uh, idea but that's one of those um there are there are a number of, of movies from this era that are actually like made like with the cooperation of uh, a certain law enforcement agency so city never sleeps in chicago pd uh, down three dark streets is a fbi movie i, I watched um, that one and i was like this movie I don't remember anything about it. Cause it was, I like Roger Crawford, but I was like, I was remember sitting and thinking like, this one's a dull one. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but I do remember that my good friend, I told you about Jay Adler, uh-huh. Stella's brother shows up and steals the show. Um, uh, anyway, the, go on. The, and then there, there was just one more like that that I mentioned trapped where Lloyd Bridges plays a counterfeiter, which was made with yeah. the treasury department. Uh, uh, I watched that one too. There's a lot of counterfeiter ones. T men. That's another one. Um, like I guess, and I just watched one actually before I, we jumped on this uh, zoom call called uh South side one, 1000. And that was like, I'd say the f- first three quarters were pretty dull. And then the last final act gets, you know, stylish and good and it stars this guy i would mention don defore who's usually like the third or fourth lead he's in he's the um the guy who knocks on the door in too late for tears um okay. don defore anyway and he's also in uh, dark city with charlton heston anyway he shows up or he's the lead in Southside, and it's boring <laughs> it does feel and, like and it's about counter it's about counterfeiter too I think speaking again to like what noir is and sort of the sensibility of it, like we're talking about it, like, is it cynical? Is it pessimistic? I certainly think it's suspicious, uh, suspicious of anybody that has power and anybody and any institution. So it does feel like any, any noir that is done with the cooperation of, uh, a huge authority like uh, the treasury department um, is probably going to be a little bit compromised as from a genre standpoint. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, there's the. It's always tough when not all of them. I mean, Team Men is pretty good, but it starts out kind of boring, you know, like with the whole. Here's a voiceover telling you, and that's what Detective So and So decided to go down that place. He jumped on a train, but then he saw that guy, and that guy wasn't so trustworthy, was he? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, 
<laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's like they accidentally read the stage directions. Um, yeah. But uh, now, admittedly, I do. Uh, I myself actually need to get going soon. Sure. sure. Um, yeah, we should probably wrap up anyway. Um, but, uh, let's wrap up. Did we? Did we accomplish a good? Did we? Did we break any new ground here? Well, we've certainly I, thrown honestly, out a lot of titles. I think we threw out a lot of titles that hopefully people. Obviously, uh, Josh, you've become a noir expert. That's how I'm going <laughs> to refer to you from now on. But um, uh, I think people, you know, uh, even our very uh, uh, well-traveled uh, listenership might might have some new. Um, New noir to start with out of this. Yeah, uh, if anyone's what, you know, got one, I'd love to hear them. I'd love uh, to hear some. Well, one I always love to recommend, uh, and I know you've seen it because I, uh, you mentioned it the other day uh, when we were texting about this. Um, the Damned Don't Cry, which you can stream on the Criterion uh, channel. Not only does it have, oh yeah, I watched not that. Not only does great. it have the great uh, title, the greatest title ever, The Damned Don't Cry. The but, Damned uh, Don't Cry. The uh, Damned Don't Cry. It's uh, a long There's no with, crying in damned. Yeah, there's no but, crying in damned ball. Uh, if, if we're going to do like a um, <laughs> uh, break things into sub subgenres of the subgenre, um, the idea of the noir where the femme fatale is the lead. Um, right. You know, too late for tears, obviously, uh, would qualify for that. But but uh, the damned don't cry is essentially a movie about Joan Crawford sleeping her way to the top of an organized crime uh, outfit, uh, and it's it's uh, and she does so out of the motivation of uh, grief and uh, after her. A child is struck and killed by a car three minutes into the movie. Um, yeah. She decides to pack up, pick up, and leave her husband and move to the city. And she becomes a like a, a department store model or something like that, and then becomes a, a gangster's model right. and yeah. then like sleeps her way up to the to the top. It's a it's a badass movie. Yeah, and she she pissed. I remember I watched two in a row. I watched the Damn Don't Cry a pre, uh, following uh, Nora Prentice, which also had the actor Kent Smith who plays the like accountant character in Damn Don't Cry. And I remember thinking, like, there's an example, like, this actor's kind of boring, but he fits, he works really well in, right. in both those movies. Um, Nor Prentice, that's another good one, too. Um, I'll say, real quick, I'll just give, I'll, I'll give you that same list, I'll rattle off that same list of, like, lesser talked about ones that, that I really liked that I discovered. I don't know if you can remember them or not. I really liked The Burglar. Uh, with Dan Durier, it's a later one, and and uh, and he just plays like a a seasoned burglar who's so bitter, and I just think he's a great actor who's like somehow big and grounded at the same time, and plays a lot of scumbags, but yeah. also he brings a sympathetic brings sympathetic quality to quite a few movies, even when he's playing like the biggest sleazebag of all. So that's really good, The Burglar. And then I, I really liked uh, this one called Shield for Murder, which was a pretty nasty one starring Edmund O'Brien. I think it might be like one of his best performances. And then I really liked, um, and that's on Blu-ray and you could probably watch it on Pri Amazon Prime. And you could watch that one. Sorry, it's on YouTube really. And then um, I really liked uh, 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 the, Re the Reckless Moment with uh, Joan Bennett, directed by Max Ophels. Real stylish, um, cool the way it's directed. And you could... Uh, find that one on blu-ray and then i really liked um fallen angel Otto preminger that's got that's kind of like um yeah i don't know how to describe it but it's good and then i can't remember if there was anything else i recommend there was a couple more i recommended but that's probably good enough yeah i think people definitely have a, a good jumping off point uh for for film noir here including including me there's definitely uh several that sound really good and i and i'm definitely in the mood now to uh to engage in some Please let me know what you watch and what you like. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, cause I like, cause I like talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you can 
follow us at battleshipretention.com. Uh, you can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension or check out on the website. This week I reviewed uh, I reviewed Stardust and Happiest Season. And by the time you're hearing this, I will have reviewed Zappa and hopefully Lover's Rock. I'll ho- hopefully have those up. You can read all those reviews at battleshipretension.com. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, do you have anything to plug right now? Uh, what I will say is, and I know I've talked about my documentary already, but uh, my documentary, Real Redemption, The Rise of Christian Cinema, which is available at Faith Life TV, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a ways off, but I'm trying to make another one of these uh, that is in some ways a little bit riskier. Um, and so uh, the, the more people view and rate uh, this documentary, the more likely it is that this thing will be made. So, uh, so please uh, feel free to sign up for your, your trial run uh trial run trial subscription of uh, faith life tv check out the documentary and uh feel free to give it a high rating um because that would actually help me quite a bit tyler right, uh, we, we uh we uh i, I wish I'd, i i should have asked you what your opinion about uh real quick maybe you can say if you haven't seen it uh what i confess and the wrong man because those are, i thought, thought were both really good uh i've not seen either one. Oh well those those were kind of fall in line with the you know what we're talking what you're talking about there's a Hitchcock noirs. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to ask that, uh, like if they're, cause like Hitchcock is associated with, you know, thrillers and stuff, but did he ever work with, uh, in noir? But anyway, sorry, we can move on. Sorry. No. Uh, yeah. Next time. Anyway, I confess those are very, they're very sterile. They're very like noir. They're not, they're not like he's, he followed them with North by Northwest. Anyway, I'm zipping it. Sorry, well, guys. No, actually, don't zip it because I want to ask uh, uh, where people will find you. Uh, where do you want them to find you? Oh, pfft. nobody find me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. At, tweeting about noir at Josh Fadum. Um, and uh, you know, just to contact you guys if you guys need to contact me for any reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll be there. We'll, yeah, we'll forward the it on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Josh, thanks so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys are doing well and staying safe and great yeah, to see you, see you and uh, talk to you guys. See, we're, we're on zoom. We're responsible. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I'm even Stay wearing on. a mask. That's, that's true. Aren't we all? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Getting philosophical there. Um, anyway. Well, thank everybody at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 